Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 4th December 2014. Have a listen, please. Welcome, dear listeners. This is Prem. With me is Arvind, and we are tuning in for this week's afternoon satsang. And we are continuing with what we were talking about last week. That is, as always, the Ramkatha Rasavahini, the story of Lord Sri Rama, as written by our dear Lord. But before we begin, before we start dwelling into the story, as always, let us begin by recapitulating the nectarous name of Lord Rama. Sri Rama Rama Rama. Rame Rame Manorame Sahasranama Tattulyam Ramanama Varanane Offering our most humble pranams at the lotus feet of our beloved Swami and of course our salutations to Hanuman who is ever present wherever the glory of Lord Sri Rama is sung. Welcome dear listeners, it is my pleasure and privilege to welcome you to this segment on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, the nectar story of Lord Rama as penned by our dear Lord and we have now moved to that situation where something which is a kind of an anticlimax is about to happen. It has been fixed as the day of coronation and instead of coronation what Lord Rama, the person to be crowned as the crown prince is going to face is going to be something totally different and this is very very interesting because it gives us an insight into the character and nature of these different participants of the Ramayana. It is said that it is adversity that brings out the true nature of a person for in good times and happy times everybody can appear to be good it is only adversity that brings out what we truly are and it is in this time of an adversity of a difficult situation that gets created that is when we get to see the pristine pure character of the different people involved in the Ramayana and Bhagwan does a wonderful job as an author as a writer bringing out these different facets and I am sure this is going to be a very very interesting satsang you know, whenever you read a story especially when you are uh, introduced to the habit of reading when people ask you when you read a novel or a or a short story or something, they'll ask you who is the character you like in it. And uh, in general, when you say that you like a certain character, which means that is the character you relate to. And it is said 
that a good story writer will write the story in such a manner that different people can relate to different characters in that whole story. And I remember when we were going through Ramakatha Swaini as part of our undergraduate awareness program, I think it comes sometime in the second year of the undergraduate, right? I think you also should have gone through it. Exactly. So one of the uh, activities which we had during that awareness week was uh, when the teacher asked, who's your favorite character in the Ramayana? Mm. You're supposed to write it down with the reasons. And I, I can uh, tell you for sure that as many people wrote other characters like Lakshmana and Hanuman and Bharata as their characters with, I mean, boys who had written the name of Rama. I think that's the beauty of the story and I think this part of that story especially, Swami is bringing out the beauty in the character of the other, you know, peripheral uh, characters in that whole story where we spoke of the greatness of Dasharatha a couple of months back when we spoke of how he decided to relinquish the monarchy the moment he found a little bit of senility setting in. Exactly. You know, his greatness. And then we spoke of Kaikeyi's greatness last time. And the moment you get that small bit of information which Swami gave many years later of how Kaikeyi was privy to this uh, plan of Lord Rama and his entire avatarhood and how she took upon herself you know, the calumny for lifetimes for ages to come. That brought out her character. And today again we are going to come across a few episodes where some other characters are shining forth in their brilliance. One other thing that happens as you said when we go through these different uh, stories is that why we find different people to be heroes for each one of us is because we relate to their circumstance in life and then we see that they are responding to that situation in a manner that is so ideal and so much lofty uh, in a manner in which we possibly can never think we possibly might brush it away saying ah come on that's a utopian world I cannot do like that let us be practical and here you see that there are some people apparently doing what would happen in a utopian world and Swami has always done that you know he has always placed idealism as the goal he has placed idealism as our touchstone you know nothing less there is nothing called a compromise in the name of practicality this actually brings up another uh, thought in me Prem it's Mm -hmm. possibly slightly divergent thought but it's an interesting one nevertheless it came up because you know I happen to be reading the Shirdi Sai Satcharita and in that there is entire page or quite a few words written about how wonderful it is to just relive the stories of the Lord or of any saint or of any man of God. It is said that merely reading these stories is so wonderful because it elevates our desires from worldly ones into real lofty ones which are necessary for our life. It burns away all the other kind of desires. It also makes us get attached to the right things in life and gets us detached from the wrong things in life. As I was reading all this, I was reminded of a question that was asked to a kind of a, we can say a yogi or a sage or a sannyasi. He is a Himalayan kind of saint who keeps giving talks. And so he was asked this question by, he said, one of his disciples. Okay. The disciple asked him, Master, you know, I have great love for you. I love you a lot. And that was seen in the service. Even as he was speaking, he said that this disciple would fetch food for him and wherever he has to travel, he'll make the best arrangements for him and everything. But he says, but master, once you start your satsang, you know, I'm bored. I don't <laughs> sit for your satsangs. Mm-hmm. I will tend to you, take care of you, but when the two hours that you speak or whatever, that time I go and, you know, engage myself in some other task, just keep myself occupied. Once you're finished, I'm back. Why is it like that, master? It means I love you a lot. I'll do anything for you, but I simply don't have the interest for satsang. 
So, I found this correlation between what was said in the Shirdi Sai Satcharita and what this master responded. He said, see, you get very uncomfortable because in a satsang, things that you hold very dear to your heart, you actually think that they are dear to your heart, they are what your mind actually desires. Mm -hmm. They will come crashing down. They will be burnt to ashes. They will be powdered and smashed. Concepts that you hold very dear and you think that this is the logic with which life has to be lived with. They will come collapsing down and you are not able to take it. That makes you very uncomfortable. You are not ready for change. And that is why you just want to avoid a satsang itself. You want to avoid a situation that brings up this need for change. You are not ready to change. That is one thing. You don't even want to see the need for change because seeing the need for change makes you uncomfortable. And he said, it's not your fault. Every one of us are in that inertia where we don't like a change. We don't like change. That's why we have that inertia and we want to oppose any change that comes. But it is only spirituality that will give you the equanimity to be able to face changes which may actually alter a situation directly opposite. You know, it might be facing towards the north and the next moment the situation is facing to the south. And even such a kind of drastic change, if you have to be able to take, that is what you need spirituality for. And it is in company of good men, in company of good ideas, in company of the avatar, that such need for change and the ability to change comes through. That is the importance of, you know, such a reading or importance of satsang or yes the importance of going through the lives of masters and sages and saints and the avatar it gives birth in us to that need for change and also gives us the strength to you know participate in this change and use the change so that it benefits us and this kind of you know idealism touchstone we will be able to see in today's discussion on the Ramkatha story also where we will be made to compare our own lives with the pure and unsullied character of of such noble souls that it might actually make us uncomfortable and make us realize how actually cheap and lowly we are in leading our own lives and the hope is that it will inspire in us also that kind of idealism which has been portrayed by the characters of the Ramayana. Even as you say, uh, talk about change, I'm reminded of uh, the words of a political analyst. Hmm. He says, when status quo becomes unsustainable, change hmm. becomes inevitable. Exactly. So in a sense, I think what makes that status quo unsustainable is the knowledge of what is right. And that is what you gain by going through these scriptures in the lives of great men. Because it is only knowledge which can make ignorance unsustainable. The moment you know that this is not right, you might not be able to accept it right away, but it will keep nagging you from within and sometimes you will have to turn to it. And as you said, this is a very important point. And the other beautiful thing is, you know, many of us know that this is the right choice. When we go through life, to be not selfish is the right choice, but we don't have the courage to take that step. And that is why we want to avoid Prem. Right. I don't want to listen to somebody glorifying idealism because, you know, I don't think I have the strength to stick to idealism. Right. And it's like they say, you know, you can never enjoy the joy of skydiving if you don't let go. You have to take that first plunge of uh, fearlessness. And that's what it is. And when you see the characters of such people, and I'm reminded of words of another great master who says that truth is not for the cowardly hmm. because only when you take that courage to take that right step that's when you will see that after all the fear was absolutely baseless and especially in a story like Ramayana you know you first curse somebody like Dashratai saying that he's being a weak husband he should have put Kaikeyi in place people who don't know the story of Ramayana completely might blame Kaikeyi or Mantra or somebody but when you see that entire picture you realize that everybody is just a pawn in the Lord's hand and, and nobody can be blamed nobody can be blamed and that is what you realize that maybe the only thing 
sitting in front of me is the situation and if I can just make the right move and just sit back, everything is going to be in place. That's the lesson every scripture teaches us and I think this particular part of the story which originally comes from the Ayodhya Kanda of the Ramayana is a very important part in that story and I think we are saying this for every part of the story we have narrated <laughs> that this is the critical part, this is the important part and I think we can't be more right than that. Exactly. Dear listeners, believers that whenever we are going through different parts of the story, different facets and different aspects of the story strike us and we feel that, oh my God, this is so important. So please forgive us now and for all the future episodes where we will be saying that this is a very important part of the story because I guess every part of the Ramayana is very important. And here we have now that Sumantra is exiting the royal palace of King Dasharatha from the chambers of Queen Kaikeyi and he has seen a most shocking sight where both the king and queen appear to be disheveled and the king is prostrate on the floor. He seems to have collapsed more so and he has spoken in a very very weak tone asking Sumantra to summon Rama at the earliest and not able to comprehend what might be going on. Sumantra rushes out of the palace and he now has to head towards Rama's palace. Now here again you know Swami gives those little details which make the story so beautiful. Even as Sumantra comes out of the palace there is a big group of people early in the morning waiting and looking eagerly at both Rama's palace as well as Dasharatha's palace. This is because a very very big event that is the coronation of Lord Rama is about to happen and everyone is eager to get whatever little juicy tidbit they can get, any news it can get. We can compare this to how we would look towards Yajur Mandir and the Mandir waiting for Swami to come and you know Prem when we are looking at Yajur Mandir suddenly Swami's driver or somebody who accompanies Swami or anybody you know walks out and we are all looking eagerly at that person who walks out. Is he possibly bringing some news? Is he heralding Swami's arrival? Because anything linked to Swami is of great joy and excitement for us and that is how we would look forward to anybody exiting the Yajur Mandir. Let me tell you one very interesting thing which used to happen. You know, there used to be a light under the pillar which is opposite Swami's Yajur Mandir door. Okay. Okay. Just It's actually one of the pillars of the Purnachandra Auditorium. Hmm. And under that balcony, there's one balcony which is closer to Kulunthal, right? Under that there used to be a chandelier. Hmm. And for many years, we had this idea that when the lights come on, when those chandeliers come on, Swami has come down. Hmm. So, uh, approximately about 20 minutes to 45 minutes after that light comes on, Swami will come out for Darshan. And this was something which was so stuck in our head. We used to follow it. And the moment the lights are seen, we won't go for breakfast. We won't go, you know, we, we know that we have to be there for the next half an hour or so. And so, we would, you know, call our friends and say the lights are on, the lights are on, everybody used to come in. We used to follow it for so many years, till much later, when we met one of the boys who used to stay in Swami's room, when we told him that this is how we, you know, because he was surprised that, you know, sometimes Swami comes at 7 o'clock, your boys are here. Sometimes Swami comes at 7.45, still boys are here. So we hmm. told him that, you know, we follow this pattern of seeing the lights. And that is when he said, those lights have nothing to do with Swami coming down or coming out. Oh, oh, oh. He said, it's just the Sevadal, whenever he comes in, he switches on the light, that's all. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, as you said, we all used to have our own patterns of when to expect Swami, when Swami would come for Darshan or, you know, the days when Swami would come out early in the afternoon for Darshan. I don't know if I've narrated this before, but it was another funny episode mm-hmm. where, you know, the Veda group would always be there chanting Vedas and this is especially for the morning darshan because uh, after 2009 or something, the morning darshan became... Uh, a sort of, you know, you don't know whether Swami will come or not. So, Vedas would go on, bhajans would go on. I wanted to ensure that whenever Swami comes for darshan, I am there having darshan. But at the same time, since the office begins by 8.30, I want to be in the office by 8.30. But if Swami comes, I want to rush and have darshan. So, I had told somebody in the Vedam group Mm -hmm. that the minute you get an indication, you know, people in front of Yajur Mandir, they line up and they're ready. That is the sure shot indication that Swami is coming. With folded hands, they stand. And within 2-3 minutes of that, Swami comes. So, if they line up, I had told them that you 
give me a missed call. You know, missed call. Right. Uh, I don't know if I think it's a purely Indian concept <laughs> where you dial somebody's number and you cut before the other person picks. So it's, it's a definitely a new semantic concept. <laughs> it's a future past. No, you you give a missed call. You give a missed it? call. Yeah. You, so I had told some people in the Vedam group to give me a missed call so that so the minute my phone rings for two seconds and stops, I know Swami is coming. So I would just leave whatever work I was doing and I would rush in. Mm-hmm. Now while this was my signal, there was a sevadal who was doing a duty at the gate through which we would enter the students entry gate okay. student and staff entry gate and he used to observe that whenever I come in within two minutes of me coming in Swami comes for darshan or sometimes <laughs> even half a minute okay. so for him the indication was when this guy walks in Swami is going to come if this guy doesn't come Swami is not going to come for some reason he made this association so one day he actually caught hold of me and he said sir you are, you are very very blessed you have a great connection with Swami I was not understanding I was thinking that possibly because I take photos and I appear to be physically close he is assuming a kind of inner connect also. He said, I have seen sir, you already know when Swami is going to come and you come and whenever you come, Swami comes. Before I could speak, he said, I know, I know, I know it is intuition. I know it is that inner connection. I just (laughs) want to know how you experience it. (laughs) So, I did not know. I said, sir, it comes like a vibration. Sometimes I hear it also. Then he said, where sir? And he pointed to the position between the eyebrows, you know. He said, is it here that you feel the vibration? I said, no, it is here and pointed to my left thigh, you know. And he was shocked and I pulled out a cell phone and I said, see, this is nothing. There's nothing great spiritual secret about it. Somebody gives me a call and therefore I come so that it's not some inner connect and all that. It's so, Akashwani. <laughs> it is not. So, yes, as you said, all of us have our own ways of deciphering and that is exactly what happened to Sumantra. Even as Sumantra came out, there were everybody looking at him and trying to judge what might be happening based on the way he was walking to the chariot. He's sitting on the chariot and going to Rama's palace. So, I think this entire description that Swami gives is to show what a moment that was. Because Swami is saying that the whole city is agog. Everybody is standing there waiting for that slightest indication when Rama will come out, when that coronation procedure will start. Oh, now the minister has been called. Oh, the, now the minister is coming to you know, the prince's chamber. That anticipation Swami is so beautifully... Has, has the coronation been advanced? Is Rama being summoned earlier? So, oh, if he's being summoned earlier, you know, we have planned a elaborate, you know, Virtual throwing event. flowers, trumpeting bands and dance and all that. So, we better tell them all to hurry up. You know, when you read this, you remember so much the same thing, you know, Swami is, you know, in every summer, Swami would return from Vrindavan to Parthi and as he has started off, we would start getting news. When we are in the class, Bhagwan has started from Vrindavan. So, we know that one next one and a half hours, he will be in Parthi, which means there will be only one more hour of class after which the next class is gone. So, mm-hmm. we are very happy about that. At the same time, you know, the dancing troops, everybody is being kept readied. Suddenly, something would happen where Swami might make a stop at Mudenhali or he might make a stop at Bagepalli because of which it gets delayed by another 15 20 minutes or sometimes he drives faster and they say you know Swami already reached Swami already Swami I remember the excitement with which or the kind of urgency with which they would come and say Swami is reaching Swami is reaching fast fast you know now everything had to be hurried up because there would be these 9 escort boys who will go till the super speciality hospital and from there 9 or 10 of them on the bike they would escort Swami's car so they have to be there before Swami's car arrives and they would be the ones who would be the most panicky so when we read Ramayana when we read how Swami writes it is the same kind of excitement and we can so well relate to it. Naturally, all the dancers, the children, they have to be summoned. Are they dressed properly already because it looks like the coronation has to be advanced. So, all this is happening while Sumantra, you know, he just cannot communicate. He knows that it is not exactly the joyous thing. Something is amiss because of what he has seen in the palace. But he cannot communicate that and so therefore he is just smiling to everybody on the way and he is headed to Rama's palace. 
And there again, a very interesting detail which Swami gave. I mean, at least it caught my eye. Swami says that Sumatra enters Rama's palace, which is a seven-storied mansion. Hmm. Swami specifically says that seven-storied. You know, to think of the architecture in that time to have a seven-storied mansion, and it was not uh, mentioned as something which was odd. So there must have been other mansions too, which were multi-storied. Wow. I, I didn't notice <laughs> that and it's definitely an interesting point. So, he enters the mansion and I guess there must be a place, the sanctum where the Lord is. Right. And uh, so, he definitely has the permission to go right up till Rama's room because he is the minister. And that's where he goes and he immediately tells Rama that, Oh Rama, you have been summoned by your father and Kaikei the queen. And at this point, even as he says it, Sita is overjoyed. Because she, being Rama's wife, she knows that this is going to be a very big day because she's the other half. She's the Ardhangini for Rama. And any day that is so big in Rama's life is definitely big in Sita's life also. Even as she is very happy seeing Sumantra coming and summoning Rama, she also gets a slight doubt why to Kaikei's palace, Kaikei's place. But whatever it might be, it is something happy and good that the king is, the emperor is summoning. At that time itself, Rama tells Sita that, Sita, this is something different. Be ready, you know, something that we are not expecting might happen. You can see Rama throwing hints. And even as he throws hints like this, Sita says, this is such an auspicious day. What wrong can happen? What bad can happen? I think you are simply getting nervous or you are anticipating things that cannot be uh, uh, happening. But Rama still sticks to his guns. And like Rama tells that, you know, ever since the coronation was announced mm-hmm. I felt there was something impending something was happening and he said this is a sign of an obstacle which I am not unaware of that's what he says so very clearly but you know the way Swami describes that entire scene where he's sitting regally there Sita is standing by his side and fanning him and uh, there is a, apparently a small discussion going between them but in the very same calm demeanor he tells her about this you know this is an obstacle which is coming so we should be prepared for it there is no change in the delight which is in his face and that is the beauty where Swami uh, describes where he walks towards the palace of Kaikei but even as he comes out you know all the people think that it's the time to start the celebrations in the meanwhile something interesting happens you know when uh, Rama tells these things Mm -hmm. hinting at a possible change in situation Sumantra you know has a kind of flashback he's immediately revisiting the scenes and he's also thinking oh my god how did I miss it it's almost like the Sherlock Holmes Dr. Watson kind of scene where Dr. Watson sees everything but he's not able to draw the conclusion that Sherlock Holmes draws without even seeing the scene and when Sherlock Holmes explains it seems like elementary for him and that is what is happening to Sumantra you know as Rama is saying these he's thinking oh yes correct something wrong it is oh yes and Rama actually even hints that you know the day is a good day and it is good whether the coronation happens or not so that is when Sumantra is woken up to a reality that could possibly happen which is the coronation being cancelled and then when he starts putting together the scenes of all that he has seen Sumantra now starts getting nervous and he feels that that there might be something true in the apparently horrible thing that Rama is saying and it is with this kind of trepidation he gets ready to drive the chariot and take Rama and Sita towards the palace and even as he comes out everybody is ready now you know because they are expecting Rama to be led to the palace and that is what is happening they don't know that he has been summoned actually to Kaikei's chambers and therefore Sumantra actually pleads with all the people who are gathered there saying that you know don't start blowing the trumpets don't start throwing flowers don't start the 
the dances because you know Rama is not headed to the palace proper. Hall. Yes, he is not going to the coronation hall. He has been summoned to Kaikeyi's chambers, to Mother Kaikeyi's chambers, and that's where I am taking him. So kindly hold on for a moment. But uh, how much can you hold on? I mean, whether Swami would go for a drive or whether Swami was leaving for Brindavan, the flowers would be thrown, the people would celebrate, the people would uh, be enthralled by just seeing him. Right? That is what happens even in Rama's case. Even though Sumantra has made his entreaties, even as Rama is proceeding on the chariot, people are throwing flowers, they are blowing the trumpets, they are happy, they are dancing. It is just a day for joy and the slightest reason is enough for the people to celebrate. And when Rama himself is coming on the chariot, what bigger reason do you need? And that is when they finally go to the palace of Kaiki and as soon as he enters, he sees this scene and he you know, kind of comes to the conclusion that something is really wrong because Dashrata is there on the floor, his hair is unkept and he notices that he is wearing the same clothes that he saw his father in the previous day, mm. which means he has been lying there whole night and he is not gone for his morning ablutions and prayers. And there Kaikeyi also is not in a very uh, presentable state because as we described, she's thrown away all her jewels and she's, uh, you know, disturbed her hair to create that impact of, you know, she being upset. And because Rama is who Rama is, he knows that what is going to happen there is something not so good in the eyes of the world. Of course, for him, there's nothing like good and bad. He is beyond good and bad. He is beyond all these. But in the eyes of the world, it is not something that is good and therefore he tells Sita and even Lakshmana who has arrived by then, he tells them to stay outside itself. He doesn't allow them to enter the chambers and Rama walks in the courtyard and he has come alone to the presence of the king and the queen mother. And the first thing that strikes him is whatever might have been Dasharatha's situation in life, whether he is happy, whether he is sad, whether he is down, whether he is depressed, frustrated, excited, Rama's arrival would take him to an excitement of an entirely different level. He would become so happy and the first thing he couldn't resist doing was to embrace Rama warmly. Oh my Rama, oh my Rama. And for the first time in his life today, Dasharatha doesn't do that. And Rama knows from that itself that something has gone wrong. And that is what he tells to his father also. He says, Father, what is it that has happened to you? Why is it that you are weeping? And even as Rama talks with such love, Dasharatha can only moan out, Rama, Rama, and he begins to collapse. And Rama says, Father, what has happened? You are the strength for the entire family. You are the pillar of support. And you cannot collapse like this. What is it? What untoward has happened? Has Mother Kaike spoken something harshly in anger or something which has hurt you? Or has Bharata and Satsukna, my brothers, who have gone to Kekeya kingdom, met with some misfortune? What is it that is making you tremble like a leaf like this and making you dumbstruck? You are unable to speak and say what has happened. And Father, every time, whatever be your situation, the worst of situations, you have found great solace in just embracing me and I have found such solace in that hug. Why is it that I am not even getting that? And this is how Rama asks, his own father Dasharatha and seeing no response from Dasharatha he begins to ask Mother Kaikeyi right because one thing is Dasharatha is so uh, you know he's fallen for that blow and he's constantly you know falling unconscious because of that pain and that depression so that's when uh, Swami describes how Rama sits down places Dasharatha's head on his lap and he's trying to uh, caress him back some courage to speak out what is troubling him that is when he turns to Mother Kaikeyi and he asks, and he asks, you asks you the same thing what is the thing he says right. Mother you you know you tell me Mother what is it what Whatever it might be, I don't know why both of you are not speaking. Let me assure you that whatever it be that your heart desires, I am ready to do. Now at this moment, you know, Kaike just, he says, it's not anything of a big deal. I don't know why your father is making such a big deal out of it. At this point, again, Prem, I would like to, you know, remind 
remind all our listeners that we have to put ourselves into two shoes one of the acting kaikei and the other of the redeemed kaikei which swami has said how tough it must have been for kaikei to continue to act hard hearted and cruel hearted and cold hearted towards rama she just you know paces out her blows one after another in quick succession she says that rama you know there were these two promises that your father had given me she narrates that story of how she saved dasharatha during the war with the demons and then she says and now it has came the time when i asked for those two boons and your father had promised that he will give these two boons irrespective of what time it is irrespective of when it is where it is these two boons i can ask any time any way any manner and therefore i chose to ask them now and they are simple the first boon is that bharata be crowned in your place and the second boon is that you go to the dandaka forest for an exile of 14 years and rama says that's it that's all is it mother she says yes that's all it is and he has collapsed like this because it's without doubt that he is very very attached to you and that attachment is causing him pain i think and that is why he has collapsed like this so rama says oh mother i shall gladly do this what is there what is the problem there is nothing at all whether bharata rules or whether i rule it is the same for ayodhya because i know my bharata you know rama extols the glories of bharata and then he says 14 years is nothing if my father wishes i can spend my entire life in the forest so why is it father that you are hesitant to speak this out do you have any doubt of whether i will obey you or not and don't you have trust in your son that he will implicitly obey all your orders don't you have that much faith in your son these words actually you know start puncturing dasharatha's heart even more and uh, while on one hand you know rama's humility and love as a human is supreme i couldn't help thinking prem that as divinity rama knew right the kind of throes that his father's heart would receive as he even spoke this but that is sometimes the ways of the divine it looks like you know that uh, we don't understand but the divine has to do what the divine has to do absolutely i mean that's what he's done in his play with kaikeyi too because uh, you know even as this discussion is going on dashrata starts shouting abuses against kaikeyi saying that he does not approve of this though he is quite helpless and he also knows from the words of rama that there is no way he is going to stop rama from following it once he has got the knowledge of the situation there is no way that dashrata would through his attachment you know stop rama from following what he has promised kaikeyi he is also uh, knows that it's inevitable that rama is going to follow it but now kaikeyi feels that there might be a situation where uh, dashrata might convince him so she takes on and says no you'll have to do this because your father will not tell you the father is attached to you the father will not have the courage to give you this command but will you not obey me and that's why rama says that for me there's no difference what uh, the monarch says is as much important to me as what you say as a mother so i will take it but he makes a proposal you know he says me leaving ayodhya is going to be a mortal blow for my father so if it can be coinciding with the coronation of bharata maybe that will give some solace to him so yeah. if he can send word for bharata immediately and if that event can happen simultaneously it would give some solace so immediately kaike thinks that that will take about 15 days and till then you you don't know there could be a mutiny in the army there could be a revolt in the city you don't know what is going to come but again you know when you don't know the other side of kaikeyi when you read this she puts forth a very interesting argument she says the faster you go the faster you can come back hmm. if you see that evil side of kaikeyi without knowing her side which was revealed by swami later you feel how cruel and cunning a statement is that but when you know the real kaikeyi when you know the love which kaikeyi bore in her heart for rama she really meant it she said if you go early you can come back early meaning that i am waiting for the day when this 14 years are going to end and when you will come back here and you know 
just in the same light she says that you know if bharata comes he is another variable in the equation he is going to change things right a bharata comes here and gets to know that rama is going he is definitely going to stop rama and now i am speaking from the redeemed kaikey point of view and if uh, bharata stops rama rama is not able to go to the dandaka forest he is unable to complete his mission and therefore it is going to become a problem and it is my promise to rama that i shall ensure that he can go to the dandaka forest so come what may i have to do it but from a world's point of view as we perceive kaikey she looks like a very scheming woman she is like oh my god if bharata comes he is going to change the equation and it might end up with rama being the king again and therefore it, it is best to rama that you leave immediately bharata crowning we will look into it later but as of now i think you should get ready and at the earliest possible leave for the forest and that is exactly what rama does you know rama takes blessings of his father and mother kaikey and even as he walks out swami writes that he refuses the silver umbrella he has already given up the kingdom i mean in an instant this kind of detachment is not possible unless you you have only atma abhimana which is attachment to your true inner self where you are not attached to anything else he refused to wear those princely silken slippers he refused to use the chariot because now he wants to go to his mother kausalya's palace and convey the news to her that he is going to go to the forest so in an instant he has already transformed himself from a going to be emperor into a kind of a mendicant who is going to wander in the forests and this kind of equanimity where he is able to walk the highest of peaks and the nadirs of abysmal lows this is something that we have to learn from rama and that is what bhagwan in his discourse clip also he emphasizes on he says this equanimity of rama is something that is amazing and it will be wonderful that we hear the same in bhagwan's golden voice right this is a discourse which swami delivered during the ramanavami of the year 99 25th of march 99 to be more precise mr swami is talking about this equanimity of rama which is one of the most important lessons which has to be learned from this part of the story you the divinity rama taptamanetundi enta pavitramaina tattvam what noble exalted is him patabhishekamuna siddhanga undinatundi ramudu rama was ready for coronation chanamulopane adhe navutone aanandanga adamiki vendadu rama had the same smiling face when he was asked to get into the exile as the one he had at the time of coronation abhulabhijaj rennitikini samatvani chupinchadu he had the equal mindedness or equanimity in times of pleasure and maharaj kaavadaniki enta santoshamo adeku veltaani kuda adhe santoshanni anubhinchadu happiness he had at the time of coronation is very much the same when he was samatvani ekkadukundani naadi manavuni endu there are such qualities adhikaram lenatundi dani aakarshinchadani prayatnam chestunnadu people want position authority adhikarame lenatundi dani thanu andukodani prayatnistunnadu though he has no deservedness he wants anarhudainatundi manavudu arhataku prarthistunnadu an undeserving fellow wants position anarhudainatundi ramulu kuda no adhikara nasinchaledu rama though eligible he didn't want position anninti endukudu dheerudainatundi yokka ramuluku ye maatram kuda deenatvam raaledu in fact rama was highly courageous but he was never deena or rama sanghani ఇటువంటి వాడి కూడాను ధీరత్వమే వస్తుంది కానీ దీనత్వం రాదు ది వన్ హు ఇస్ ఇన్ కంపెనీ ఆఫ్ రామా విల్ హావ్ ధీరా ద కరేజ్ నెవర్ దీనా ది వీక్నెస్ you know we've spoken about this when we were doing the uh, satyam shyam sundaram series the letter which swami wrote to his brother mm. you know in that swami says that what he wants to do what is his task one of the lines which he writes in that letter is to treat loss and gain as equal is devotion for me you now my definition of devotion is that person who is able to treat loss and gain with equanimity and you know the last statement which swami makes in that discourse clip he says that uh, this equanimity comes out of courage because he was a dhirudu swami saying that rama was courage 
this so he could exhibit that equanimity and you will exhibit that equanimity if you completely believe that that lord is beside you and that is why swami says that devotion should express itself as equanimity and only that is devotion for me not what you do as devotion singing bhajans or you know whatever you do as expressions of devotion i don't consider as devotion devotion is that equanimity when when loss or gain faces you you know uh, swami speaks of dhira dhira meaning one who has no fear one who is courageous this fearlessness can come only out of desirelessness because the minute we have desire there is automatically the fear of non fulfillment of the desire any desire it can be any desire breeds along with it the fear of non fulfillment of the desire which can further lead to frustration because of non fulfillment and then anger and then loss of intellect as lord krishna puts it in the bhagavad gita so one of the root causes for fear is desire in itself and if a person has to be a dhira or one who is fearless one has to be a person who is desireless and that is what rama is that is what rama is he has no desire at all his whole being is not touched by the blemish of even one desire and therefore he has nothing to fear and that is why swami says in the end of the discourse clip that not only rama anyone who is associated with rama also is a dhirudu and actually in the discourse swami goes on to speak about hanuma mm-hmm. saying of how he was so brave how he had no fear at all and he says the lord and anybody associated with the lord will have no fear which means you know it's also a message prem we have to see through the subtle message that swami delivers that if we have to truly be a person of god if we have to be swamis just as hanuman was ramas we have to be desireless ourselves we should not have anything like a desire of our own and our desire should just be whatever the master desires because the master desires always the good for the entire creation you know to say the least we all are slaves of logic you know we all go by logic but even going by logic this is the simplest thing but some of it's so difficult to understand i remember uh, many years ago reading a book on science where he was saying how all your textbooks which show you the solar system are actually got the scale completely wrong because mm-hmm. if you were to draw the sun and this earth and the other planets to scale he was just describing how awry the whole image will become you will not be able to see the planets at all right because that's how huge the universe is i mean how huge the solar system is and you can imagine how much more huge the universe is and to imagine that the lord who has created this whole stuff okay mm. you are cribbing about a small problem and you are letting fear enter your heart because of a problem and you know just think of it for a moment from swami's point of view how utterly silly it is you know swami will think you know i've done this whole thing man the sun is in place the moon is able to stand on its own in the middle of space the earth is rotating it's all because of me and don't you think i can solve your or handle your little problem how really illogical and silly it is of you when swami says that the lord rama is that lord of the courage and he is standing by you there is absolutely no reason for you to fear uh, unpleasant turn of events it really it is more than anything is logical Lord Rama now walks out of the palace and Lakshmana again you know Swami has often praised Lakshmana as the one with sukshma buddhi one who is of subtle intellect he notices and he immediately knows what is happening he knows for sure that his brother Rama is not going to be crowned because here is Rama this is the day when he is supposed to be decked with ornaments when glory is supposed to be added unto him in a materialistic manner in the sense that if till now there was a silver umbrella being carried for him it has to now become a golden umbrella with diamonds and other precious stones and here is rama refusing even the silver umbrella refusing a footwear refusing the chariot and walking towards mother kausalya's uh, chambers so though rama does not convey to lakshmana that i have been you know exiled and i am supposed to start it as soon as possible 
Lakshmana has already understood everything and he also marches along with his brother and both the brothers go to the chambers of Mother Kausalya. And Mother Kausalya is in great joy because what greater moment for a mother than to see her son receiving glory and adoration from everyone around. You know, being a fan of cricket, I remember that day when the hero of Indian cricket, that Sachin Tendulkar, when he was playing his last test match, that was the only day when he got his own mother to the cricket stadium. And when we read in his autobiography, it's beautiful to see the emotions and sentiments that both the mother and son go through. Because this is such a special day, the whole world is watching. In fact, it was towards the end of the day that even the cricketer Sachin Tendulkar was honored with the Bharat Ratna, the greatest civilian award. So, the kind of pride and joy that the mother felt, she could express it only through her tears and she just blessed her son. She didn't speak anything on that day. So, for such a worldly thing itself, when the mother is able to celebrate and rejoice in the joys of her son, one can only imagine what is the kind of joy and satisfaction that must have been coursing through Kausalya. And that is why in this moment when she sees Rama, she just embraces him, blesses him and she is supremely happy. But she also notices that behind her, Lakshmana is apparently on the verge of tears and something seems to be amiss. And that is when Rama tells her, you know, Rama actually tells Kausalya that mother, you know, it is it is father's command that Bharata be crowned. Again, the same manner, Kausalya is slightly shocked, but it is when Rama reveals that apart from Bharata being crowned, he has to be banished. He is uh, going to exile to the forest. Actually, the scene very beautifully described, you know, the little details which Swami throws in so that we can pictureize it. We could go into endless debates where, you know, in some discourses, Swami describes it a little differently. In this discourse, in the Ramakatha Swami, Swami writes it differently. The idea is to get into the story and to you know experience what each of those characters experience. In that uh, particular time when Rama goes to Kaushalya's uh, chambers, describes that that is when uh, Kaushalya herself is getting ready for the coronation. The moment she sees Rama, she says that, did you also observe the night vigil? Did you also keep a fast? So you wouldn't have eaten anything and that's that's why... These are the practices right, one must do before, before the, the coronation. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, both Rama and Sita, we spoke about that where the Shri instructs Rama and Sita in Kaushalya herself being the Rajmata. You know, she also goes through that vigil. So, the moment she sees Ramana, you know, she might be seeing the monarch to be in front of her, but it's the son whom she sees in him and she says you've not eaten the whole night. So, makes him sit and she brings a golden plate filled with uh, fruits and starts feeding Rama. And that's when Rama reveals. He says, Mother, no more I can take food which is offered to me in a golden vessel. So, she says, why? You're going to become the monarch and this is but befitting that you eat from such royal wear. And that is when Rama says, no, I have to wear the garb of a mendicant and go out into the forest. I have been exiled for 14 years. And you know, she says I know that you have a good sense of humor but this is not the time to crack such a cruel joke. Exactly and even as she says this, she observes that Lakshmana is sobbing and you know, he's shedding profuse tears and in her heart, in the mother's heart, she already has sensed that there is truth in what Rama has said and therefore she now knows because Rama is her son, she has seen the way his determination is, the way he takes decisions. She knows that what Rama is saying is true and if he is saying that he will be going to the forest no force on earth can stop him from going to the forest because Rama okay Mata okay Bana okay Patni that is his vow that only one wife one arrow one word once a word is given he will not go back on 
it and so kausalya instantly you know in a moment decides and she says rama i am coming along with you there is no ayodhya for me without you i have waited for years and years without a child and you have been the tapofala you have been the fruit of my penance you have been the fruit of the penance of not only me my husband you know and you are the light of my life you are the only reason for my joy in life and on such a momentous occasion you'll just leave and go i'm fine with your decision i'm fine that you have been commanded and you're doing so but i will also come along with you again this discussion is something that swami beautifully narrates of how rama and kausalya speak it's maybe a small clip over here this is i think from the, the ramnam in discourse of 2003 2003 which right. bhagwan delivered in brindavan so we'll just listen to that clip and then come back to the discussion kausalya nivasamanaku vachadu he came to the residence of kausalya kausalya chaala aanandam tho kaachukoni unnadi kausalya was very joyfully expecting he nadu ramulu pattabhishekam kada etti aanandam tho etti alankaram tho na gruham cheertadu ani vedir chustu undadi she was expecting rama to be coronated on that day she expected him to come with royal garments on him kaani narachilu katti vachinatundi rama sita nu chuchi kausalya chaala vichara padindi kausalya was worried on seeing the dress of rama and sita who came with nice pattabhishekam dharinchu vasatundi okka ustavu divya is this the type of garments you should wear on this day ani adugutu undinatte ramulu navutu cheptu ostadu then rama smiled and said amma maa tandi ayina dasarathudu ee naadu naaku rajyamu kattadi pattabhishekamu mother this morning father wanted to be coronated ye rajyamu kattadu what type of coronation it is ayodhya rajyamu kaaru aranya rajyamu naaku kattadu it is not the kingdom of ayodhya it is the kingdom of aranya aranya mandu rakshasulu aneka mandi kashtamulu cheta yogulu bhogulu jogulu enatundi yokka munulanu baadisthunnaru in the forest today the demons are troubling and harming the great sages saints and the recluses atti muni sancharamulaku bayalderinatundi naaku etti abhyantaramu cheppanakkarledu and when i am going to protect those sages you need not have to object kanaku nenu velli vastanu ane namaskarinchadu rama saluted his mother saying i will go to the forest and come back idu na pitruvaakya pariparamu annaru and this is the way i am going to obey the command of my father na pitruvaakya pariparamu nijave kaani nannu nenu maatru devini kada maybe you want to obey your father but i am your mother pitru lopala ardhangini and i am half of the body of your father na ardhanu kuda nu nevu nachinchavasuthundi you have to follow my command also kanuka ee naadu neetho paatu nannu kuda nu teesukoni vellu anarnyanikanni therefore you take me also with you to the forest ee vidhavainaatundi ento talli pitani yokka sambandhamu annathammulu yokka sambandhamu enta anyonyamainaatundi enta anuragamainaatundi enta pyapyamainaatundi enta pyaadhyamainaatundi thus we find in ramayana the relation between the mother and son and among the brothers was so sweet wonderful loving and harmonious itti anyonyatanu ee naadu jagatunaku chupinche nimittamai ee ramayanam anetundi janmadimnu utsunga chesukomanu cheppini pedalakandarki bodhisthu vacharu and that is why today ramayana is being taught as a demonstration of that sweet relation among the brothers so that is a very powerful argument that she presents uh, the word ardhangini means the other half in fact kausalya tells rama that i am the other half of dasharatha it is not right on his part to take a decision unilaterally if he says it is his half commanding you to go to the forest my half doesn't agree to command you but i know that once your word is given you will not change and therefore i will also follow you to the forest 
and even as she says this lakshmana seems to back her up you know he also tells rama rama you may say that father's word is supreme but matradevo bhava and it is pitrudevo bhava only after that first we are taught that mother is god and then the next god is father so when your mother is telling you to stay back i mean it is right that you listen to your mother what she is saying is absolutely fine it is in uh, response to this that rama actually reminds kausalya that her foremost duties is that as an ardhangini as she rightly said and therefore since she is the other half of the monarch she is the other half of dasharatha it is not right on her part to leave dasharatha and come with him and therefore she must stay with dasharatha and in response to lakshmana's comment rama says that you know it is not my father who commanded me it is the emperor of the kingdom who has commanded me and when the emperor commands it is for the welfare of the whole society it is for the sake of the welfare of society and for the welfare of kingdom that the emperor has commanded me it is now my mother and father who are trying to stop me the emperor has already commanded me so i will listen obey to the wishes of the emperor it is not the question of a mother versus father battle here it is the question of individual versus society here and therefore what is good for the society is what i have to do and what the emperor has commanded me is what i have to do and at this point even you know lakshmana also realizes that rama is going to go and that is when there is a very very angry outburst lakshmana is infuriated at the situation he says rama no you cannot go you be here rama you be and rule the kingdom i will protect with my bows and arrows let me see who will come in the way if bharata comes i will fight against bharata nobody will be match to my arrows i will subdue everybody and you will rule before this non- nonsensical order is issued you better take hold of the kingdom and take reins because what that evil kaikeyi has done is very very vile it is treacherous she is wicked and father has fallen victim to his own senses and therefore he is keeping quiet and you know lakshmana says i don't even know if father has authorized this you know after all throughout it was kaikeyi who was speaking it was not dasharatha who told you what has to be done so you can't even consider it as the command of the emperor You know the beautiful thing of any story like this, especially the way Swami has written it. It is, in a sense, a mirror for our, ourselves. You know, to look at it and see what mistakes we tend to do. Because what Lakshmana is doing here is a typical example of that. Just some time back, we spoke of how the whole of Ayodhya was rejoicing at the decision of Dasharatha, and it was said that you know he is such a great king that he has made such a wise decision. He wants to crown Ayodhya. But the moment this decree comes that you have to be exiled and you have to go to the forest, Lakshmana starts questioning the. Uh, in the intellectual prowess of dashratha he says that he is clouded by his attachment to kaikeyi he is clouded by his lust for his favorite queen and that is what is making him make such decisions so he is not a sensible king and it is not necessary to follow the orders of a monarch who is under the grasp of his lust and greed mm. and he says so so you don't have to follow him you know this is what happens when somebody takes a decision which is not in alignment to what is good for us or what is favorable to us we start questioning the reasoning of that person these are the things which ami shows that these are the mistakes which you might tend to do and you know be careful of them rama beautifully counters this allegation you know he tells lakshmana you calm down Lakshmana is also called as Ashutosha and Ashukopa means right. along with Lord Shiva he is also said to be a one who is easily angered and one who is easily calmed also and now that we saw the Ashukopa of Lakshmana it is the time for Ashutosha because Rama calms him and he reminds Lakshmana he says Lakshmana what you say is true that it was mother Kaikeyi who told everything but you know if what she was saying was a lie if what she was saying was wrong then isn't it logical that the emperor our father dasharatha would have stopped her he did not stop her he allowed her to go on which therefore shows that what she is saying is absolutely true it is just that because he is so emotionally attached 
to me father is unable to speak anything so there is no question of it being right or wrong but it is definitely true that this is what father wants to command it is just that because of his attachment because of his emotional inability he is not speaking and therefore he is not communicating so there is no doubt in that I don't think that mother Kaike has made it up because she is a very noble woman she has such great love for me and though Rama is speaking the truth at this point in time each of those sentences only irk and uh, anger Lakshmana even more but Lakshmana also realized by now that there is no changing this decision and therefore Lakshmana says to Rama that Rama you might stop Kausalya saying that you might stop your mother saying that she has her duty towards your father being the other half but you know I have no such binding on me now I am not bound by what Kaikeyi has said because you know all said and done she is not my mother I am not bound by what Kausalya says I am not being told anything by Tasharatha and therefore I am a free man I, am, I can make my decision you can't stop me Rama whatever you have decided you are doing and I have decided now to follow you and whatever may happen you don't stop me please don't utter that word and say no I am going to come with you and uh, you know even as he says this Lakshmana says this Rama is able to notice a kind of calm and peace descend on mother Kausalya and he feels that Kausalya will be comfortable his mother will be comfortable if she knows that you know Rama is not alone Lakshmana is also there with him and that is why Rama touched with the love and devotion of his brother embraces him and he actually agrees that Lakshmana can accompany him. And the beauty of it is, you know, the whole reasoning which Rama gives, he says that he's in such a volatile situation, Lakshmana, that he mm. might harm himself and harm others around him. Mm. So it is best he's not left alone. So he, he says, you know, the very fact that Lakshmana has managed to convince Rama so easily shows a sense of, you know, the comfort which Rama had with Lakshmana too. And the beautiful thing we started off by saying that how this is called the Ayodhya Kanda. I remember when uh, one of the scholars in Telugu came and uh, gave a lecture on the Ayodhya Kanda of Ramayana. He made a very beautiful point. You know, Ayodhya, the meaning of the word Ayodhya is that which cannot uh, be won over because it was a fortified city which, which had never been conquered by any other king other than the Ichvaku dynasty. So it is called Ayodhya. But the word Ayodhya can also mean defeat. Yodhya is victory. Ayodhya is defeat. So no victory. So he went on to describe how this particular part of the Ramayana, nobody actually wins. You know, Dasharatha wanted to crown Rama. He could not. Kaikei he wants to crown Bharata, she could not. And uh, Kaushalya and everybody want to stop Rama. None of them could stop. Kaushalya wants to come with Rama. She is not able to. So everybody gets defeated. Actually, only three people win in this battle. That is Rama, Sita and Lakshmana. Sita, of course, will come to that. Lakshmana has managed to win his you know, battle of his going right, to go. Rama is, of course, winning all the way. He has managed to defeat everybody. But whatever people set out to achieve in this Ayodhya Kanda, you will find that everybody were defeated. And later, of course, later in the story, we see how even Bharata was defeated in his attempt to bring back. Yes. From the forest. This is the beauty of the Ayodhya Kanda actually. Superb. Very nicely put. And uh, Prem actually Rama tells Lakshmana that it is not right that you just join me like right. that. You exactly. need to seek permission from your mother. You have to go and seek Sumitra's permission. And uh, you know before we describe how Lakshmana meets Sumitra and actually seeks permission. I think a word of introduction for Sumitra because many times Swami has spoken so highly of Sumitra saying that Sumitra means Sumitra, good friend. In many discourses, he has extolled her. Possibly we could play one discourse clip where Swami speaks about Sumitra. Sure, we'll just play this clip. Same, it's about the 99 discourse which Swami delivered during Ramnavami, where Swami speaks about the virtue of Mother Sumitra. Never think that you are going to the forest. 
రాములు లక్ష్మణుడు లేనిటువంటి యొక్క అయోధ్యనే మాకు అరణ్యము సీతారాములు ఉన్నటువంటి అయోధ్యనే లంకనే ఒక అరణ్యమే మీకు అయోధ్య వెరీ ఫారెస్ట్ విత్ సీతారామ ఈజ్ అయోధ్య లక్ష్మణ లక్ష్మణ ఆశీర్వదిస్తూ చెప్పింది నీవు సీతారాముడు తల్లిదండ్రులుగా నీవు భావించి వారిని సేవించు కన్సిడర్ సీతారామ సేవలు ఏమాత్రం కూడా కించిత్తేనప్పుడు లోపం రాకుండా చూసుకోమని అలాంటి సుమిత్ర లోకంలో ఉన్నారా కౌశల్య గొప్పదంటున్నారు గొప్పదంటున్నారు కానీ సుమిత్ర కంటే గొప్పవారు లోకంలో లేరు మంచి మిత్రుడు ఆమె గుడ్ మిత్ర ప్రభావాన్ని ఆశీర్వదించి రాము సేవ చేసుకుంటూ ఉండమని చెప్పి చెప్తుంది అలాంటి తల్లులు ఈనాడు తయారు కావాలి అలాంటి భార్యలు ఈనాడు తయారు కావాలి అలాంటి సోదరులు ఈనాడు తయారు కావాలి అందరి ఎందు ఐకమత్యం అభివృద్ధి పరచుకోవాలి ఐకమత్యమే జగత్ యొక్క సంరక్షణ so easy to find this common thread between what swami considers as an ideal mother ideal wife ideal brother anybody who sticks to rama wants to be with rama swami says they are ideal anybody who promotes the other person to stick to rama swami says they are ideal anybody who takes you away from god is not ideal in fact that is the definition bhagwan had once given for a true friend a true friend is one who takes you to god anybody who takes you to god is a good friend anybody who takes you away from god is not your friend is an enemy though he appears or he or she appears to be good kind and loving so here is swami praising sumitra because she did not stop lakshmana she in fact encouraged lakshmana to go to rama in fact on another occasion swami has narrated how sumitra says that both my sons can never become the kings because mm-hmm. kaikeyi's son has a chance of becoming the king because dasharatha has promised kaikeyi's father that i will make the son from kaikeyi to become the emperor and kausalya's son has the chance of being a king because she is the senior most wife but what about my two children and therefore she says i offer one child in service to bharata that is shatrugna one child in service to rama that is lakshmana and we also discussed in the beginning of the ramkatha rasavahini how lakshmana was happy in the cradle with rama and how shatrugna was happy in the cradle with bharata so in all this swami reminds us that we should not forget the great sacrifice that sumitra did for god's sake for the sake of rama and swami on one hand redeems kaikeyi swami speaks highly of sumitra and usually people always speak about kausalya's glory not speaking about kaikeyi and sumitra and it's only apt that the lord himself comes and redeems his lesser spoken of mothers exactly and just like among the mothers kaushalya is spoken high of among the spouses of these four princes we've always heard people speak much about mother sita but swami also speaks about the virtue of urmila the wife of lakshmana maybe we don't have the time for that we will play out a clip where swami says that how virtuous she was because just as lakshmana had to take the permission of his mother he also had to take the permission of his wife urmila before he proceeds towards the forest and that interaction is very very special again you know swami alone has spoken about these characters swami has spoken about urmila swami has spoken so highly about you know in the later parts of the story you will see the wife of vali the wife of sugriva being extolled the wife of ravana being extolled some of these lesser characters who often swami would say you know the situations you land yourself in life may not be completely in your control but the way you carry yourself in that situation actually makes what you are and many of these characters give that very beautiful lesson to all of us so we'll continue the story we have not yet gone to the forest with rama we'll do that maybe in that next sitting 
With that, we offer this segment as always at the lotus feet of our dear Swami, praying that He inspires us through whatever He wishes us to speak. And we also offer our prostrations to Lord Hanuman, who is always with us here when we speak the story of His Lord Rama, our Lord Rama. Dear listeners, we welcome your feedback. You can write as always to listener at radiosci.org. Any thoughts, your feelings, your feedback, questions, whatever. We will be eager to receive them, read them and try to respond to them to the best of our ability. With that, we bring this segment to a close. We leave you with this song. Thank you. Jai Sai Ram. Yeah, yeah. 
You just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 4th December 2014. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam. <laughs>